0: Hi, this is Chad. Hello, product masters. Today we're gonna dive into a topic about the future of leadership. I think that this is very important to product managers because by the nature of our role, we need to be leaders in the sense that we influence those around us, right? We we need to influence those to join our ideas and move projects forward. Further, many of us, many product managers, will find themselves in se- senior leadership roles in the future, and that might be part of your career path now. That you want to uh, accomplish. And so, as a senior leader, what will that look like? Knowing how leadership is changing, how how it is now, and the factors that are influencing it to what the future leadership is going to be will be really important to you then. Joining us is an expert who tracks the future of leadership, the trends that are influencing the future of leadership, and that is Ann Lair. She is a leadership speaker, trainer, and coach, along with frequently writing on leadership practices and topics. Her early journey was really interesting to me as she owned and managed hotels and safari companies in Kenya, dealing with many crisis management situations that include things that we don't face too much, like facing down lions, severe weather and floods that carried away equipment, and transforming employees from different tribes to be able to succeed together. If you want a detailed written summary of everything we talk about, do remember we take notes for you. We also prepare a one-page action guide to help you put into practice immediately the key takeaways from our discussion. You'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 375. And thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Chad. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: We are going to talk about leadership here. And there's been several events going on with the pandemic being a key one, certainly, but other factors as well that changed leadership. And if we look at how leadership was maybe done in the 80s, you know, even today, it's different and it will certainly be different in the future. So as product managers moving into leadership, this is pretty important for us. Can you just go through, what, what do you see as kind of the big trends or the categories that are driving leadership change?
1: Absolutely. So there's four trends that are driving leadership change. I'm going to go through them at a high level, and then we can stop and just chat about which one you think might be of more interest. So the first one is longevity. It's this idea that our workforce is aging. Uh, what do we mean by that is I have a 16-year-old daughter, and the chances of her living to 100 are very likely, and the chances of her living and being healthy at 100 is even more likely. And so this whole idea of retiring at 65 and even pensions at 65 is just going to be thrown out the window, because we're going to have employees who are 70, 75, who are vital and who want to contribute. And really, about, uh, at the end of 21st century, we're going to have 6 million U.S. centenarians. And so really thinking that through as leaders, creating products, who are we creating products for? And what is it like to manage a workforce that is aging? That's the first big trend. The second trend at a high level we're gonna focus on right now is that women are leaving businesses in droves to start their own businesses. And so what I always say to organizations is, congratulations, you've just trained your competition. Right now, there's over 1,900 small businesses being started every single day in the US Chad. And so there's lots of reasons for that which we can get into. But really again, what does that look like in terms of retention, in terms of leadership? How do we make sure that we are supporting the women who want to leave to sort their own business? Or how do we make sure that we are retaining them? The third trend is a trend I think many people are aware of, and it is really about diversity and this idea of US population growth from the past four years, if you look at the census Bit of a data nerd. I like reading those types of things. A hundred percent of our growth from 2016 to 2020 come from gains of people of color. And so, what does that mean? Our leaders, we know, are going to be younger. They're going to be more diverse. They're going to have more diverse backgrounds. And so, how does that impact as we start to look at product management as well as product development? And then, finally, the fourth trend is this idea of freelancers. Freelancers are those who don't want to collect a paycheck every two weeks. And right now, we have a high percentage of our workforce that is freelancers. By 2027, 50% of our workforce will be freelancers who don't want to collect a paycheck. So one of those alone could impact leadership in the future. We have a tsunami coming, converging at the same time. And these will help us think about the products, but also help us about who are we leading in terms of our workforce and what type of leader do we want to be?
0: Okay. So there's a lot in there and a lot of, th- th- these are mega trends, right? Taking place. The, so just, just to think about one, the, the first one we started about, you know, the aging workforce and not that we're just uh, aging and getting out of the workforce, but we're staying in place longer. Right. And that's my personal plan as well. I just, I don't think it's particularly healthy for us to stop working. So I want to do something as long as I possibly can and contribute and serve others, but that's going to change how leadership works. I remember when I was a young leader and I had people that were accomplished, right, but were a good deal older than me on my team. And that was something to just kind of work through for myself mentally and for them a little bit too, right? It's like, you know, who, who's this, in a sense, a young kid, you know, helping me figure out what to do. That that felt a little weird at first. just. For, and I think that's going to be very much the standard. And I think from what I've been seeing, this generation of digital nomads that, you know, were raised in the digital environment entirely that they're likely to be leaders much younger than we may have seen in the... And to ha- have to just work through that on both both sides.
1: Absolutely. They already see themselves as leaders, Chad. And so they expect to be promoted quickly. They expect to really be able to jump in and do work that is meaningful and purposeful. And so how do we, how do we balance that? How do we think about the whole talent life cycle with that in mind, right? So when we think about attraction and recruiting, are we saying to people hey, when you go retire, come on back. Do we have a plan in place to say, yes, we would love to have you come back on a part-time basis or a contractor basis? Only 50% of organizations have that plan in place. So there's that piece of attraction and recruiting. Then there's actually the recruiting piece in terms of what are the skill sets that we're looking for. Then we haven't even talked yet about bias, right? There's absolutely ages and bias. And well, do I want to hire someone who's 72 or do I want to hire someone who's 30 Generally, we know what the answer is going to be for most organizations. And so, so much to think about with this one mega trend.
0: Picking up on women leaving, leaving business, it sounds like there's a clear focus there on women starting their own businesses. But I was watching the interview with, and I'm drawing blank on his name, uh, the Dirty Jobs host and the Dirty Jobs show is coming back. He was talking about the, the millions of people who have left the workforce in just the last few months. And, and we've seen headlines on this. And people that are wanting to go to something that is more exciting to get up out of bed and do, right? So they're starting their own work or they're becoming freelancers, which suggests that we're, we're going to need more flexibility about how we think about the resources that are on a team and how we're leading those resources.
1: Absolutely. And when we think about resources, we're thinking about the talent development. So thinking about how are we investing in people so that they are growing. The whole idea of a ladder is pretty outdated right now. I often like to think of it as a holocracy, which means I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna learn this and then I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna learn this because if you think about succession planning which is just basically who's going to be in what role when and we know that we have a force coming down in terms of people are coming back because they want to engage and yet we also have Gen Z coming up, there's gonna be a bottleneck. And so how do we as leaders avoid that bottleneck while also making sure we have the skill set we need to do the job as well as engaging and retaining people who want to stay there. And the final piece we haven't even touched on yet is this idea of pay equity. One of the biggest reasons is because people are saying, we are not getting the equity that we want. Generally, it is the females, and so we're going to do our own thing to get the equity that we want. Right now, it's going to take 108 years to get that equity at the current rate. And so you can see a lot of women are saying, I have a college degree, actually women have more secondary degrees
2: than men do. And so I'm just gonna go out and start my own thing. We'll be back in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by the RPM Experience, the rapid product mastery experience. In just nine weeks, meeting 75 minutes a week, product managers, teams, and leaders become product masters, creating more value for customers, their organization, and themselves. You will build a broad foundation of product management knowledge, get everyone on the same page, while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer, all resulting in higher performance. Participants feel empowered and more confident about their work. They learn how to create value for customers and revenue for their organization. One product leader who used the RPM experience across a global organization said it is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective it did exactly what I needed. Many organizations have benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at productmasterynow.com RPM. Go to the same URL and schedule time to talk about how Chad and his team can help you and your organization.
0: To contrast those factors with kind of just where things are now, I, th- I think we're in this very turbulent you know, position where, where that's all changing quickly. But how, how does current leadership look like? You know, what, what's the key things going on with leadership right well, now? Well, as
1: you say, we're we're in a big transition right now. So every organization, every sector, every industry is going to look at a little bit different. So you have the cultures of organizations that are startups. Let's just make it happen. I'm in, based in Washington, D.C. You still have a lot of command and control right here. But everybody's trying to figure it out right now. And think about resistance, right? This is change management. Change management means there's something changing. How are we going to manage it? Well, our whole society is changing right now. And so how do we respond to change? It's part of emotional intelligence, which is the way of saying, how do I use my emotions to ground myself, to show up fully, as well as to influence those around me? And so right now, this huge transition Some people are going to respond to stress and to change by holding even tighter, right? I am really going into command and control right now. Some people are disengaging. That's why we have the great resignation right now. So there's not one particular answer. The only answer I do know is that it is going to look completely different. And some organizations are further ahead than others in terms of what the future looks like. But right now, it really depends on the industry and the sector in terms of how hard are leaders holding on to old ways and how open are leaders to saying, look, we have to just do this now and let's just get on with it.
0: It's interesting to think about that dichotomy between you know, the people or any one of us at any one time in the situation that would choose to hold on tightly to what we know versus maybe just disengaging, saying, nope, I'm done. You know, I, I want something completely to maybe contributing to whatever that, you know, going forward, you know, picture looks like. And there's been organizations that I've worked with over, over the last, um, trying to think if this is just pandemic influences or not. So I, I think this was actually pre-pandemic influences, where organizations where the leaders have recognized that, yeah, we need to fundamentally change as an organization to be competitive in the future, because the competitive forces are different. And if we don't take action now in five years, we won't exist as a business, right? And some of these are very old companies um, that have been around a long time. And the employees have really struggled with that. Right. Because there, there's this thing about I show up at work each day and what I did, you know, for the last year is what makes me successful. I, I know how to get this work done and I want to keep doing that. And now you're talking about asking the organization to do something different, right? Go in a different direction and that just doesn't feel good. And in a sense of there, there's, I think, both holding on and also kind of disengaging from I don't want to be part of that future. Right. And then other organizations are, 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 pushing through that much more successfully. And you mentioned EQ in there. How, how do we go about, especially from a leadership perspective, right? Employees have their role in this for sure too, the, the followers of leaders. But how do we go from a leadership perspective to try to encourage everyone to be engaged and help figure out how do we muddle through moving into the future? So
1: many ways to answer that question. So let's just talk about first what engagement is. People get a little confused sometimes. So employee engagement is someone who is psychologically committed to make a positive contribution at work. That's actually what it is. So. Is Anne waking up and saying, I want to make a positive contribution at work? Uh, In 2015, the global engagement number per Gallup was 13%, which means only 13% of all employees around the world are actually engaged, ready to make that positive contribution. The latest research is we're up to 20% globally. Good news is U.S. is actually a little higher. U.S. is in the high 30s. Women are about 2% higher than men right now. So still, let's say 40% just to round it up. Only 40% of employees in the US are willing to go ahead and do that. So this whole idea of engagement is not do we go from 40 to 100, Is how do we go from 40 to 42, 42 to 44, and get people to commit step by step by step, especially through this transition and change that we were talking about. Tying that to emotional intelligence, you use the letters EQ. Sometimes people say EI, your listeners might know that there's four quadrants of it. First is self-awareness. What is Anne feeling right now? Is Anne triggered? Then there is self-management. Can Anne actually manage it or does she just vomit her frustration, her stress on everybody because there's two kids and I'm working from home and the internet just went out? Then there's the social side, which is social awareness. Can Anne read the room, whatever that room looks like, a video room, a real room, a country, a nation, a company, and then can Anne influence that? So if you tie all that together, and we start to think about this idea of what does the future look like for leadership, we need to have leaders who are engaged themselves. Sometimes people refer that to purpose as well. Have they have a sense of purpose? We need to have leaders who know how to engage. That so could be through emotional intelligence, could be through coaching, and then we need to be able to have leaders who can inspire, which is one of the competencies of emotional intelligence. That, you know what, I'm really frustrated working from home, and my dog is sick, and I just got out of COVID, whatever, but I'm still inspired to show up every day. It's a lot of skill sets that we're placing on leaders' heads, and so that's why it's not just one person, it's a whole culture of people who create that.
0: Yeah. There's always been this context of of powerful organizations have a powerful culture, and they tend to attract people that are in alignment with that mission and vision of the organization. As you talk through how leaders need to change and the, the importance here of, of engagement and what that kind of means, to me, that sounds like that is, is ele- will need to be elevated, that you need to find the people that really care about the mission, the thing that inspires you, that will inspire them. And that kind of the sense of shared community may become more important in the future. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And People get confused about the word culture and they're like, well, what exactly is culture? Well, it's made up of three things. It's the behaviors, the mindset, and the values. So what is the value that the organization, the team purports? What are the behaviors? How do I actually live and work around that? And then what is my mindset around that? And so if we have a sense of purpose, mission, as you were talking about, as well as values, and we know what the behaviors are expected of me, Then we can manage that and we can inspire people to do that. But if I don't even know what's expected of me and I don't know what the accepted behavior, sometimes people call it a norm is, then how in the world am I going to be inspired to show up even 2% better tomorrow than I was today?
0: Good. So how can leaders help? communicate that right how do, how do we let people on the team know what's expected of so that?
1: there's this term called competencies competencies is just a way of saying knowledge skills and abilities so a competency is do i have the skill the knowledge the ability to do something generally people talk about technical competencies and non-technical competencies sometimes people call the non-technical soft skills i prefer non-technical so a technical competency is can an input data right can an weld a pipe? those types of things. The non-technical are often things such as coaching, conflict management, emotional intelligence, uh, difficult conversations. So as we think about leadership and what we're talking about today, the leaders of the futures are going to have a very strong handle on the non-technical competencies. doesn't mean you need to not focus on whatever it is you're doing in your company, but really want to focus on the non-technical. So as a leader making sure you're strong on the non-technical. And there's generally about 15 to 20 per most organizations, but then also thinking about how do I use those? So if coaching is one of the non-technical competencies you want to develop, how do you practice coaching on the team and then create a coaching culture? If you want to practice conflict management, how do you practice that on the team and then create an organizational culture where it's okay to speak up and to disagree? So it's taking my own competency that we need to develop based on organizational competencies, and then using those to influence the organizational culture as a whole.
0: Okay. So, you talk about this as technical and non-technical competencies. I might in the past have characterized this as the hard skills and soft skills, right? And those soft skills are, you know, do I listen well? Do I know how to deal with conflict, right? Do I know how to encourage and motivate? Those soft skills that seem to become so important for leadership as you as you grow over time and helping others. Especially
1: because we're in such a organizational culture right now where we are working with so many people from around the world and being able to communicate, understand the diversity. That's one we haven't really talked about much yet, but just mm-hmm. understanding the whole piece about diversity, understanding where someone is coming from, being able to leverage that, hearing the voices at the table, that is all soft skill as we think about that piece because the research is crystal clear the more diversity we have on teams and in organizations, the more innovative results that we're getting and problem-solving that we're getting.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very important to us as product managers if we're trying to deliver value for our customers. The different perspectives, the different experiences, the different skill sets, the different life experiences all are very important. And innovation happens when someone has an idea and someone in another discipline or another set of experiences thinks about it completely differently and then we make everything better together. I've heard this many places, but it, Pixar does this very well. And it's the book, Inc., written by their uh, their CEO, about how, how to do a uh, yes and sort of thing, right? I think they call it plussing in their version of things. But it's like, yes, let's take that contribution and make it better, right? And it's everyone working together to make things better. I love
1: better. that idea of yes and. People who know me always say, I know what you're going to say, and you're going to say yes and. And I'm like, yes, because we have to leverage all the different perspectives in order to create a solution that helps whoever we're trying to help right now.
0: So let's take this and try to distill it down into some specific actions that product managers might be thinking about now as they're preparing for leading in the future in what will be a very different environment, right? And I really do think that the The digital natives that are entering the workforce, so people have always been around technology and grew up with that. And they're also digital nomads, being that they can work from anywhere, and they uh, often prefer that to work from, you know, not have constraints with that. That's going to be making up the majority of people kind of driving the workforces of the future. What should we be doing now to help us think about how can I become a better leader in this new emerging environment? Let's
1: just break down coaching as one of the, you use the word soft skills, whatever it may be. So coaching, exactly, as you said, it's made up of two skills, listening, active listening, and asking questions. I actually think product managers would probably make very good coaches because they're used to asking questions. It's the type of question that's a little different, right? So you want your questions to be open-ended. You want them to start with a how or what. If there is just one tip to remember from this chat is, Start your questions with a how or a what. So instead of saying, hey, Ann, did you do that? And I'm like, well, of course I did it. What do you think? I don't know what I'm doing. Versus, hey, Ann, what challenges are you having? Or what are some opportunities here? Or how can we leverage it? Asking the how or what questions. Another thing that helps leaders is to ask very short questions. The rule of thumb is eight words or less. So instead of, hey, Ann, did you do this? And how did it go? And what's a challenge we need to face? And when can you get it done? Boom, right? I don't even know where to begin. Hey, Anne, really want to talk to you about this product. What are some challenges we need to overcome this month? Ah, I know where to go from there. So if we were going to just think about very simple questions, open-ended, eight words or less, and then the last one is probably my favorite, is what we call forward-focused. And the tip here is to ask language that is chronological. The reason we do that is many times people start to get stuck into the drama. Well, then this happened, and then that happened, and then this happened. I don't really care as a leader. What I care is, what are we doing in the future? I get it, sounds like it was a really messy meeting, and what needs to happen next week, in two months, in six months, whatever it may be, to make sure that we are ready for that challenge in the future. So I often say to people, words matter, and if leaders just focus on the words that they are using when they are trying to learn and ask questions, and if they focus on the words that they're using when it comes to diversity, that alone, it sounds so simple, would really help strengthen the culture to create the culture that they're looking for.
0: Okay, so I, I love the clarity about those questions and the, the encouragement to be thinking about that. But I think it's also very challenging for us to basically know if we're improving or not. It's easy to have blind spots. And there's times when I say things that I mean completely differently in my head and they come out in a way not intended, right? What, what about having someone to help you you know, come alongside provide you feedback, you know, that you talk to about, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. It seems like it would be valuable to have someone help you with this. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's what I would call an accountability partner. So however it looks, you can have a formal accountability partner as an external coach. You meet every other week, you talk about goals. That would be a formal external accountability partner who holds you accountable to whatever it is you say you want to do within that two week period. You can have the same internal, you can have an internal partner, maybe a peer or a colleague to say, hey, could you hold me accountable? I'm really working on, I wanna stop interrupting. Or I'm really working on, I wanna be more concise. And I'm practicing it and I've taken some courses or I've learned some things through different programs. And I just need you to do a signal, right? Like do this, when you see me, I'm interrupting someone. Or kind of tell me afterwards. So accountability could partner could be external formal, could be internal formal or could be internal informal like hey you got a minute I just want to talk about that meeting i'm really working on not interrupting so much how did i do generally i prefer the second one i think the third one can be hard you're putting someone on the spot and they're like i don't know i wasn't really paying attention so if you were to do the third one i would just tee it up and say hey going into this meeting i'm really focusing on not interrupting people afterwards i'm going to ask you how i did could you just let me know but absolutely accountability partners is what helps us change behavior. I often say, as we think about growing cultures, we go from awareness to action. Awareness is, oh, this isn't working, or oh, this needs to change, or oh, this needs to improve. Action is, what practice are you actually going to do so that it becomes embodied or it becomes normal for you? And in order to get to that action piece, we need exactly what you talk about, those accountability partners who help us see our blind spots.
0: Excellent. So for all of us wanting to prepare for the future leadership and how leadership is changing, now is the time to start. As the old saying goes, "If we're, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, probably 20 years ago, but since we could have do that now, right? So get started now. Find an accountability partner and share what it is that you're working on, the areas that you're trying to improve. Maybe tack, make a list and tackle one at a time and, and work on that and make that tan. And frankly, I, I have found a lot of respect in leaders that are very transparent about that. And and just come to the team and say, okay, here's an area that I'm trying to grow in. Please give me you know feedback when you I you know see areas that I, I can do better in, right? And,
1: and so. I think accountability partners help when it's when it's reciprocal, right? So it's mm-hmm. not just me; it's like I'll also help you. So it's like, how are you holding me accountable? How am I holding you accountable? So that reciprocal reciprocal is a way to help make sure that people are holding each other accountable.
0: Good. Thank you for the insights about how. How leadership is changing now because of this turbulent environment and just the big changes in, in shifts, right? With people leaving the workforce, women starting their own businesses, the diversity becoming center stage for organizations and being driven by population shifts as well. Freelancers, it is a different environment that's starting to emerge. and We need to understand how to be successful as leaders because we will continue to need good leaders because the situations will continue to be turbulent in the future. As listeners know, we love an innovation quote around here. What do you have for us, and what does that one mean to you? I have a
1: quote from Arianna Huffington, uh, who's editor-in-chief at Huffington Post, and it goes like this, we need to accept that we won't always make the right decisions, that we're going to screw up royally sometimes, and understand that failure is not the opposite of success, it is actually part of success. And I think this is really appropriate for product managers as we think about iteration Lots of organizations that I work with, they're afraid of making mistakes. People don't speak up. They don't take risks. And really just building it in from day one. And this goes all the way back to elementary school and middle school and high school and university. If people choose to go to university to say, mistakes are part of the success. It's okay to make mistakes. mistake. It's encouraging to make mistakes. We want to hear and celebrate mistakes. And I actually know a couple of organizations who actually do that. Every week, they actually have a who made the biggest mistake this week celebration as a way to say it's baked into our DNA that if we're going to be successful, we are going to royally screw up sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point. And frankly, it's a message I wish I would have heard earlier in my career that that failures is the process. It's the path to success, right? It's how we learn. And you might enjoy this example. Many, many, many episodes ago, I had interviewed one of the directors of innovation at Chick-fil-A. And as they they built a, in a new innovation facility, and they were trying to encourage everyone, you know, to be part of kind of this innovation culture and contributing ideas. And they ran into resistance. They, they found that employees were really fearful of making a mistake. Right? Well, what if I share something and it doesn't go anywhere? You know, I'm going to be blamed. I'm going to make, make a mistake and my ideas won't be valued. And All these things and so the executives started having town halls sharing their mistakes that they have made over their career and trying to just let everyone know this is this is common we all make mistakes and this is part of how we move forward love
1: that i love it when that transparency and that candor is there and it's like oh well if you made that mistake then okay i can make a smaller mistake
0: right right exactly okay thank you so much for that and you have a number of resources you you speak, you teach, you write, how can people find out about what you have available for resources and the work that Absolutely. you do?
1: Absolutely. The easiest way is probably just to look up on our website, which is the centerforhci.org. I'll spell that out. Center, C-E-N-T-E-R-F-O-R-H-C-I.org. My name is Ann Lair, L-O-E-H-R. You can also find me many places online. As you said, I have books, I teach, I write articles all the time. And I love to be contacted. I love to share information and I love to learn from others. So feel free to reach out anytime.
0: Excellent. And that's how we got connected. I found some very valuable information that you you had produced and reached out. And we um, are now talking about the future of leadership together and sharing that with the listeners. So I appreciate that, Anne. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Also, listeners, do remember we take detailed notes for you if you want a written summary of everything we talked about and that one-page action guide. Just go to productmasterynow.com slash 375. Everyone, keep innovating.
2: Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.